0: Welcome to Marrow Masters Season 8, sponsored by OMeros Corporation and Insight. The National Bone Marrow Transplant Link, established in 1992, strives to help patients, caregivers, and families cope with the psychosocial challenges of bone marrow and stem cell transplant from diagnosis through survivorship. Season 8 of our show focuses on clinical trials. We're covering how to find them, what to expect, and how survivors have benefited from them. We also talk to healthcare professionals about how these oncology clinical trials are conducted and monitored safely. Our goal is to answer as many of your questions as possible. Here's your host, Executive Director of the National Bone Marrow Transplant Link, Peggy Burkhardt.
1: Welcome, everyone. Today, we have JC Walsh with us. JC's from Illinois, and she participated in a CAR-T clinical trial in 2019. JC, thank you so much for being with us today. Please tell us about your diagnosis and your first transplant experience.
2: Hi, Peggy. Thank you so much. In April of 2013, I was 35 years old. I was a young mom. Um, I had two young children. One was 18 months old and one was about five years old. I had some moderate bruising, fatigue and shortness of breath and went to my primary care physician and she thought I was anemic. After the blood test came back with some questionable results, I sought the opinion of a hematologist-oncologist at Northwestern Memorial in Chicago. And after a bone marrow biopsy, I was diagnosed with B-cell acute lymphoblastic leukemia. Very quickly after that, I was admitted to the hospital for about 30 days. I was part of a treatment protocol that was actually had just closed as a clinical trial.
1: So the trial was closed right before you were
2: diagnosed? It was a clinical trial that was looking at whether or not they could use the standard of care for children, young children that were diagnosed with acute lymphoblastic leukemia. And they felt like it would be successful in the young adult under 40 age group. So because I was in that age group, Although the trial had been closed in terms of participants in the trial, they had already seen huge success in that age group versus the regular adult protocol that they were using in the past. So uh, we were able to get special permission for me to utilize or for my doctors to utilize that chemotherapy regimen and protocol as far as getting me into remission during that first diagnosis. Okay. And it was a treatment protocol that was a standard of care for children that had been diagnosed with ALL, but they were doing this clinical trial on young adults under the age of 40. So it looked like it was going to be very successful and had shown very promising results as a trial. And so my doctor being aware of it, put me on that and decided to begin that treatment protocol for me. I went through about 30 days of pretty intense chemotherapy um, inpatient and then proceeded after that with about two and a half years of outpatient chemotherapy and ongoing. It was very successful and I was in remission for about two, two and a half years. Um, 2016, I learned I relapsed again and would need to undergo a stem cell transplant. Initially, the plan was to use a new drug that was under review with the FDA. But unfortunately, we were unable to get a clean spinal tap. And so we had to go with a traditional treatment plan at that point. But I was able to receive a double cord transplant in February of 2017. At that time, we were unable to find an adult donor. There were none available that were HLA matched. And so we went with a double cord. I was able to remain in remission again for a year. A year later in March of 2018, I relapsed again began a newly developed chemotherapy drug that was being studied, and I was in remission again for one year. Um, At that point in 2019 in March, I relapsed again. And at that point, I was referred to the University of Chicago to undergo uh, CART-T, and that was the clinical trial. I was the first patient that the University of Chicago was going to perform CART-T on that had already been transplanted. And so they were hopeful that at that point um, the CART-T would be enough to keep me in remission long-term. Unfortunately, I was unable to stay in remission, and in April of 2020, I relapsed again. I began a two-new-drug chemo regimen to get the leukemia in remission and once again prepared for a stem cell transplant. This time, three years later, an adult donor was found. Uh, from Portugal. And in July of 2020, I underwent an allergenic stem cell transplant at the University of Chicago. And today I am still
1: in remission. Wow, JC, I, that's all I can say when I hear all of that. And I just have so many questions and so many thoughts running around in my head. First of all, sure, congratulations and just I keep saying, wow. (laughs) It was a long road, I'll tell you that much. (laughs) I am just amazed at your resilience and what you endured. I mean, to think of all these times going back for more. And I know we're going to talk about clinical trials, but first I just have to commend you for your determination. I know that you're a mom and a wife and you have so many reasons besides those most important reasons but I am just in awe.
2: <laughs> you know, I think it's important just to keep taking each step forward and not get discouraged at the end of the day. And, you know, sometimes it's, it's just about moving forward and finding what's next for you and finding what's next down this
1: path. You and I had talked briefly before this uh, podcast. Sure. I have this vision of us kicking the can down the road. And I can't think of a better example of that than what you endured. Explain to everyone what that time bought you when Sharp sure. those treatments were an option.
2: I think a lot of different things. First of all, you know, in 2013 when I was initially diagnosed, CART T was very early on in the process. So each of these processes that I went through, the first initial treatment was a clinical trial that had literally closed right before I was diagnosed. And You know, that got me two and a half years down the road. At that point, you know, we were able to possibly use some new treatments and things like that to get me to my first stem cell transplant. Um, That was successful. And again, you know, it's providing time to develop these new technologies. By the time I relapsed and had another drug and, you know, was able to stay in remission for another three years, now that bought us the opportunity to do CART-T. And that CART-T experience, although again, it wasn't the end all be all, this clinical trial was successful in the sense that it again bought me more time because three years prior to me getting my second stem cell transplant, my first one, there was no adult donor possible. So that has been much more successful for me this time. And even going forward, To think, you know, the possibility exists that I I might not remain in remission. But again, we're buying more time for more adult donors to come forward or me to have different matches or that sort of thing or new drugs to become available or new protocols or treatments or that sort of thing. That really, I think, makes a difference at the end of the day is that it buys you the amount of time that you need to move on to the next treatment, possibly, even
1: if it's not the first treatment isn't successful. Absolutely. I do have a question about the Allo, sure. uh in the Portugal connection. Do you sure. believe that your first go around, whoever your wonderful donor was, yeah. maybe wasn't in the system yet? And how many years later, this person signed up, thank goodness, to give this gift of life and that's how they suddenly were available? Absolutely. I'm almost certain mm-hmm. that
2: They were not in the registry at the time of my first stem cell transplant because we had no matches as an adult donor.
1: Okay. Do you know anything about your
2: donor at this point? I do not. We just reached the two-year mark. And so with an international donation of anything, you have to wait two years. So I just actually contacted Be The Match to see if uh, I could request his information and find out a little bit more about who he is and hopefully maybe make a trip to Portugal. <laughs>
1: <laughs> what a great excuse. <laughs> I mean, we're going to have to do another episode to get the update on this when when the time comes because this is I, very I really, exciting. I,
2: I do really hope that we're able to meet this wonderful altruistic person because um, without his donation, I certainly wouldn't be alive today. So it's is just such a gift. And uh, I really, I don't know that thank you is an adequate word or words for what he did and what he did for myself and my family, but I would love to be able to thank him for his donation.
1: Oh, I am sure you will at the right time. So back to clinical trials. I mean, obviously you are a believer, you know, the value of a clinical trial What do you want to say to people out there that are on the fence? They're just not sure. Do you have any pearls of wisdom for them? Sure.
2: You know, honestly, most of the treatment and therapies that I received over the course of the last nine years since my initial diagnosis were at some point clinical trials. And I think it's always important to remember that well before a clinical trial ever Gets to the patient level, there are years and years of research and science and studying done on either drug combinations or therapies like CAR T or protocols in terms of chemo combinations and and different things like that. So, I think that's the most important thing to remember: is it doesn't just show up one day in a patient's world. It's got years and years of research and study behind it. And I also just think it's such a wonderful gift to have the possibility of a new treatment. Doctors and researchers would never put something in a patient or give a patient something that they wouldn't have a background of it being possibly successful at the end of the day. So I think it really offers the opportunity to have new success that you may not have if you just go with a traditional treatment.
1: I totally agree. And in this series that we're doing on clinical trials, there are other episodes with some uh, doctors and other uh, survivors like yourself. Sure. Everybody's saying pretty much the same thing. And it's so inspiring to think of the difference. We would not be where we are today without these clinical trials. No. And
2: Absolutely everything that I've gotten has been a clinical trial either very recently before I received it or, you know, had been in clinical trials at some point in the not so distant past. And so I think that's really important that all of these things allow us to move forward. And again, they aren't always a success from the true sense of the word, like, okay, we beat cancer or whatever it is, but Again, it bridges the time. It gets us across that bridge for that period of time. And I think that's hugely important to the success of clinical trials also. And it what may not necessarily have worked for me may be the end all and be all for someone else. And I think that's important to remember as well.
1: Oh, JC, you just you are so inspiring and tell us a little bit about life today and your family. Sure. Well,
2: I think the biggest thing is that you know, we've made it two years down the road and my daughter, my oldest daughter, who was four or five at the time when I was initially diagnosed, is now starting high school this year. My youngest is was 18 months old when I was initially diagnosed, and she's now starting sixth grade and going to middle school. Um, all of the treatments that I've received, all of the clinical trials, CART-T, stem cell donors, um, transplants, all of that has really allowed me to be present in our family life and be with my husband and raise our two daughters together. And I've been able to participate in some very momentous occasions throughout the last few years and milestones that I don't know that I would have otherwise. And I think that's the most important gift of all of this is just having that time and having life at the end of the day and I just the joy of watching my family grow up and my children grow up is is very momentous in my life. And I think huge. So I think it's very important as far as just being grateful and thankful that all of these therapies and trials and.
1: Absolutely. And, you know, I I keep thinking about every time you get the news of another relapse, how did you handle just the blow of. Oh, here we go again. How did you deal with it? Gosh, that's that's
2: a very, you know, the I, I think back to the first time that I was told that I that the leukemia was back. I think that was probably the hardest time for us, primarily because I had been in remission for about three years, and I think that hearing that first time that it had come back was quite devastating, actually. And again, you know just knowing that the path ahead of me was very difficult in terms of going into a stem cell transplant and that sort of thing was very challenging. But I think I'm very grateful that my doctors were very supportive the whole time and always had a plan in front of them as far as what the next steps were. They were very up and knowledgeable about the upcoming trials about new therapies that were being developed, about new treatments. And so I was very fortunate to have doctors that were on top of all of the things that were up and coming within the leukemia world. And I think that helped the burden of the rediagnosis or the relapses that occurred over time.
1: Thank you for sharing that. I know that there are listeners that will really benefit from that. I think
2: it's important just to never give up. And to know that there's always more things coming and there's always something that might be successful for you.
1: Absolutely.
2: Oh, JC, this is terrific. Is there anything else you'd like to add? Just that I'm so thankful for the National Bone Marrow Transplant League for allowing me to really share my story. And hopefully it helps others to understand and know that they should never give up and that there are so many wonderful things becoming available every single day.
1: Oh, JC, it's so true. This entire series is really inspiring, uh, learning more and more about the clinical trials and the effect and the the altruism, you know, what you've done for future, not only your family, but future families.
2: Absolutely. And that's one of the things our family really tries to encourage and, and support research and development, as well as other families that are going through this type of diagnosis. It's very challenging.
1: Yes. Well, thank you again, JC, for sharing your story with us. Thank you, Peggy. I really appreciate your time.
0: This has been the Marrow Masters Podcast. If you know someone who would benefit from the information in our show, please share this episode with them via text, email, or social media. Don't miss an episode of our show. Follow the Marrow Masters Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you're listening right now. To connect with the National Bone Marrow Transplant Link, visit nbmtlink.org. Or follow the link in our show notes. The Marrowmasters podcast is produced by Jag and Detroit Podcasts.